Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and other experts in the food and beverage industry about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Today we're talking about the power of social cause marketing to drive sales and consumer engagement with brands. In the last few years, one of the biggest trends that we've seen is that doing good, such as donating a percentage of sales to a nonprofit, is not only good for the community and company morale, but it's also good for business. In fact, it's extremely good for business. New research from Euromonitor shows that consumer spending nearly $217.5 billion in retail value sales in the U.S. on products making ethical label claims in 2015. And this data complements earlier research from 2008 that found almost 8 out of 10 consumers said they would switch to brands that were associated with a good cause provided the price and quality were equal. To find out exactly what these findings mean for the food and beverage sector, I am joined by Alan Ronan, an ethical label analyst with Euromonitor. Thanks for joining me, Alan. $217.5 billion is a lot of money that Americans are spending on products that make ethical claims. And I understand that Euromonitor data found food and drinks making at least one ethical label claim accounted for 45% of these value sales in the U.S. in 2015. Can you break down sort of why consumers are flocking to products like these and, and the types of claims that they're making? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it would be good probably just to explain how we went about conducting our research first. So uh, we conducted research in 26 countries and looked at the, the physical packaging claims, uh, so what ethical labels are showing up. And we broke down these labels into uh, three platforms, so people and values, environment, sustainability, and animal welfare claims. So it's, it's a really broad scope. Um, but yeah, like as you said, 217.5 billion is a is a huge amount that uh, Americans are spending on products with at least one ethical claim. Uh, and that's not to say in all cases ethical labels are ultimately the determining factor in sales of these products. But there's no doubt that it's a growing concern to consumers. Uh, there's increased levels of uh, transparency that companies are giving to consumers. Uh, and CSO reporting has become a far more dynamic area in, in, in the last few years. Uh, it might have been viewed as perhaps secondary to financial reporting previously. Uh, but I think leading food and beverage players, they can't really sweep a, a bad CSO profile under the carpet anymore. Uh, and they're making every attempt to highlight to consumers that uh, they are ethical brands, they're ethical companies. Uh, but like, I, I suppose not all ethical labels are, are created equal as well, uh, both in terms of prominence on packaging, added value to consumers, and, and their impact on sales. You know, some of the, the clean label uh, labels we track, say if we take no artificial sweeteners, um, is that going to be as important on the physical packaging as a vegetarian label to a vegetarian person? Perhaps not. But uh, And the same again with maybe it can be a recycled label. Is that going to be as valuable to uh, a commodity-based product such as tea and coffee as maybe a fair trade or a Rainforest Alliance label? Perhaps not. But we want to do 
have a broad scope and capture everything that kind of fed into this, uh, the, into ethical labels and you know the, the politics of purchasing. Um, so the, I'd say there's, there's, there's always an underlying narrative to ethical labels and because it's a broad scope, it's difficult to pin down to, to one trend. But I'd say that uh, I'd say that this increased transparency was was central to it, um, and there is always a story. So you know you could look at zooming out a bit further. If you looked at the UK and uh, there's this trend towards removing artificial colours, and you know that can be linked quite easily to uh, research that came out uh, previously linking artifi- certain artificial colours to hyperactivity disorder in uh, in children. So companies are, are, are responding to this, you know, this damaging research and are going that extra mile to convey to consumers that they are they are responding to these concerns. So uh, I think I think that's probably the background, the foundation of why we went about doing this research and um, yeah, at the moment we're we're kind of looking at our findings and trying to trying to gauge just what is important to consumers in in, in the US and uh, and globally. So yeah, so this is coming out of Euromonitor's new ethical labels database, right? It is, yeah, it is. This is where we uh, we conducted research, uh, store check research in 26 countries. So we had analysts just look at all products, all branded products, excluding private labels, uh, which we'll look to incorporate in the coming years, uh, and just captured where these claims where these claims are, and looked at the value sales then of these products based on uh, based on our other uh, industry research, so packaged foods, soft and hot drinks. And so from there, we were able to gauge just how just how prominent these labels were in terms of uh, in terms of value sales on a on a national and international level. So it's really good for getting that overall perspective of where where consumer concerns are, and uh, and where they're likely to be going forward. Okay, so sort of with this in mind, what is your database showing you in terms of which ethical claims and social values are most influential in the U.S. or have the most sales potential in the food and beverage space? It's telling us quite a bit when we look at the global level of uh, what's driving sales as well uh, or where uh, categories with ethical labels are performing strongly. So, I mean, whether we looked at... uh, you know, vegetarian and vegan label products in the UK was 37 billion US dollars in 2015. Uh, globally, Mondelez International uh, was the leader in terms of uh, value sales of products bearing a, a long-term charity and sponsorship affiliate label in 2015. That equated to uh, 2 billion US dollars. Um, on a global level as well, uh, biscuits and snack bars, uh, will be the largest uh, packaged food category with sourced from sustainable, renewable uh, sources labeled by 2020. So there's so many stories. Um, I'd say one of the most interesting in the U.S. as well is the, uh, is the size of the kosher, the kosher market. And we also tracked Israel where we, where we were confident that kosher labeling will be, will be quite prevalent. So our initial finding was that the U.S. Uh, kosher label market was worth uh, 118 billion, and that's 18 times the size of the Israel market. Um, so it's too big to be ignored. A, a category like this, or a, a, a label like this, manufacturers uh, are looking to reformulate and looking to respond to this demand for for kosher label products. And, 
in 2015, Sweden savoury snacks in the US with a kosher label was uh, was worth around 13 billion US dollars. Dairy was 12 billion, and biscuits and snack bars were 11 billion. So, I mean, identifying what level of reformulation is necessary in order to be certified kosher and in order to be uh, for it to be allowable to have the uh, kosher certified label on the product or halal for that matter in varying countries where there's demand for that too. Uh, I think manufacturers are paying close attention and where they can reformulate, uh, where there is demand, they will. Um, so I think that's probably one of the major findings we've had uh, since, since we launched our research in the last few weeks. And I want to pull on something you also mentioned, which was um, the, the potential with the vegetarian and the vegan claims, which um, I guess I understand are growing, or the, the vegan claims are growing 5% from 2015 to 2020. Can you talk a little bit about this sales potential and sort of why it's growing so quickly? Yeah, well, I think uh, the, the way we've conducted our research is we're looking at, uh, we're basing our forecasts on our packaged foods, soft and hot drinks industries. So we're looking at categories where perhaps halal labels are prevalent um, or kosher labels are prevalent and where there's categories where, uh, that are performing well and that encompass a large amount of these labels, we're going to see growth. And I think this is the case with vegan, it's the case with, uh, with kosher and halal. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think the standout vegan category was probably non-dairy milk alternatives, uh, which, which has been performing well and will continue to do so throughout the forecast period. So, uh, you know, products encompassing this label, you know, they're set to continue to, uh, to perform well. We're not tracking the spread of labels onto other products. So, um, this, this growth will be affected then if, if the label does start to spread as well. So it's really only going one way with specific categories. And I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head with, uh, with vegan uh, especially because, I mean, we're, we, we expect that to increase considerably, as you said, 5% over the forecast period. Um, but it's, it, it is based on category performance. So what categories are performing well? Is it dairy? Is it confectionery? And uh, that's what we're what our baseline for our forecast of growth is. Um, so uh, I, I suppose as well, when the label does spread onto new products, that's going to to be another major influence in uh, in driving the vegan label trend uh, on a global level. Great. And so, sort of stepping back, not just looking at vegan, but can you talk a little bit about um, where these claims are most effective? You mentioned sort of for the vegan, it was a non-dairy milk, but are there other categories overall or geographic variations that these types of claims are really resonating with consumers? Um, well, I think, I think the low-hanging fruit categories or perhaps the traditional low-hanging fruit categories, uh, they've lent themselves quite well to clean label re reformulation. So if you looked at something like uh, carbonates, uh, we're seeing a lot of clean labels on these products, so no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, preservatives. Um, I, I mean, they, a confectionery as well, we're seeing a trend towards that too. Uh, dairy, I suppose, is the, one of the major standout categories that we've seen. Uh, I mean, this is probably the, the, the leading category in terms of ethical labels that we've seen. Uh, it, uh, predicting like over the forecast period how it will perform. 
Um, and I think for this, to, the reason for this is perhaps it lends itself well to, uh, to reformulation. They're one of the golden rules of, of putting these claims on packaging, no artificial flavors, preservatives, uh, is the, the fewer ingredients, the easier it is to, to reformulate. Uh, I, I think dairy has quite, it generally has quite natural characteristics. So, you know, if, if consumers want all natural claims on their dairy products or no artificial colors, it's perhaps easier to, uh, to, to give them what they want in the, in the case of dairy. And given that there's strong performance on a global level of this category, you know, this is really what's driving perhaps the clean label trend and others as well. Um, environment sustainability is, a, is another platform we track. So uh, at the, leading this is recycling labels. So again, again, we're not asking uh, about the recyclability of, of a product, but we're asking where are companies and manufacturers actually conveying to consumers that the product is in fact recyclable? Uh, where is there, you know, in black and white, uh, the message to say recycle this product? Is it widely recycled? Is it, it can it be recycled? Uh, TerraCycled? You know, this is what we're looking at, and uh, I think they are probably the standout categories in ethical labels um, that we've seen. So, not to be a negative Nelly, but on the flip side of this, are there categories within food and beverage where ethical claims really don't seem to matter or are not influencing sales? Um, well, I think that's a, that's a good question. When we did go out to do this research, we, we wanted to capture the claims that, that did matter to consumers, the ones that we felt were important and that, had a real, uh, that were robust. They actually had a meaning. Um, but you know, not every ethical label applies to every product. Obviously, like having I don't know a no artificial colors label on a, on bottled spring water uh, over a confectionery product will it have the same result? Obviously not, because consumers aren't looking for specific claims on specific products. Um, but again, that those sort of low hanging fruit categories where uh, that have traditionally incorporated no artificial colors, so maybe uh, carbonates or sports and energy drinks, for them to put on a, a no artificial colors claim, that's where we're seeing you know, the, the value. That's where we're seeing manufacturers make that added effort to, uh, to reformulate. Um, and there will always be variations and vague labels and niche labels. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen variations which is like no nasties or uh, within this product, you know, and it, it might have a meaning, but I think it's important to be clear to consumers of what exactly an ethical label is, what exactly you're conveying. So uh, it's important that if it is ethical, if, it, if there is a, a claim that it's clear to consumers and that there's no, uh, there's no confusion around it. But you're right, there are, there are claims that aren't going, to, uh, aren't going to mean much to consumers, at least at the, the moment. And, uh, but I, I suppose you have to look at it on a category by a category basis as well. Um, you'd have to look at something like um, if you took tea or coffee, what, what's the important claims there? Is it uh, sustainable trade and farming? Is it responsible forestry? You know, it's, it's important to, uh, to pin down the labels where there is value and tie them to specific categories. So I want to build on what you said there about making sure that the labels are really clear to consumers. 
how can companies effectively tap into these trends or, or best communicate these values to consumers? Is it through recognizable certification icons or stories on the back of their packaging or social media communications? What's the best strategy? Um, well, first and foremost, I'd say it's the, the physical packaging. You know, there, there's more front-of-pack claims. There's uh, any reformulations or certifications that have been garnered should tie in at some point with a packaging revamp. It, it won't always be immediate, but it should be the case that you're not making consumers work for the information. It should be there front and center if it is, if it is that uh, important and if manufacturers believe that it is what their consumer wants. Um, the foundation of these claims should, should also find a, a home in, in the annual CSO report. or uh, That should be the, the foundation. And it's important that manufacturers also don't greenwash and just you know, put as, as many claims as they can that have no meaning, going back to what you said previously. Uh, materiality is key, whether it's in the CSO report or on the, the physical packaging. So no irrelevant data. Um, otherwise, companies might run the risk of, of losing some consumer trust. Uh, but obviously, there's only so much real estate on the physical packaging. So, so more and more, we're seeing URLs being used, uh, linking to a specific CSO report or a, just a sustainability statement on uh, the company website about the, the ethical credentials of, uh, of a product. But there's, uh, there's also alternatives emerging as well, such as smart labels, where consumers can log on and look at further information, more in-depth information. So it's kind of a, a, an extension of the labeling in essence. Um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see the role of, of the Internet in, in addressing consumer concerns, whether it's by social media platforms, e-commerce e product descriptions that generally allow larger word counts than perhaps physical packaging or alternative methods such as that smart label which gives uh, easy and instantaneous access to, to detailed information about uh, a whole host of food, beverage, uh, and actually products from other industries as well, so personal care as well, but uh, predominantly I think it's, it's food and beverage at the moment. So there, there's, there's various methods to, for consumers to get their information, but where possible, put those important claims on the packaging, make it visible to consumers, and I, I don't make them work too hard for the information. If it's important, uh, it should be on the packaging. That's great advice. Um, and clearly these claims and um, sentiments are really popular right now with consumers, but looking into your crystal ball, um, how, how long are the legs on this movement? What's it going to be in the future? Um, well, I think it's only going one way, uh, this trend towards, uh, you know, good practice in ethical practice. Uh, we're just looking at packaged food, soft and hot drinks in year one for our passport ethical labels, but we're always keeping an eye on other industries as well, and, and it is only going one way. Uh, I'm not going to go into every ethical label that we track because there's quite a broad scope, but I'd expect to see, you know, religious labeling grow. Uh, any labels that focus on the environment, sustainability, uh, I'd expect to perform well. Um, things like local sourcing will also play a, play a role in that. Um, and the, the continued move away from artificial ingredients. Because uh, I think if even, even if artificial ingredients were proven 100% safe, and in many cases they, they were, consumer suspicion wouldn't necessarily immediately dispel. So I think it's still a, 
a positive message to have on the packaging. Um, the only downward spiral that I, I feel is possible is if legislation eventually catches up with these labels where they eventually become mandatory to some point or at least some of them do. Um, at the moment many of the labels you track are going beyond compliance, beyond le uh, legality and that's where the value is but if legislation was uh, to catch up I imagine that it might just lead to a next stage of ethical labeling. I think there will always be opportunities to derive value from from being good, from being a good company uh, with uh, uh, ethical claims and responding to uh, consumer demand. So, yeah, like I said, if, if, even if legislation was to play a, an increasing role, I think we'd just see ethical labeling evolve uh, to go that step further to meet, uh, to meet consumer demand. Awesome. Well, it sounds like um, Euromonitor has really hit on an area of significant potential with your new database. If listeners wanted to know more about how your database works or how they could use it to help their business, what's the best way that they can reach out to you guys or where, they sh where should they go? If people would like to know more about Passport Ethical Labels, they can uh, contact me directly um, at alan.ronan, that's R-O-W-N-A-N, at euromonitor.com. Uh, alternatively, you can get me on Twitter, that's at E-M-I underscore a Ronan, again that's R-O-W-N-A-N, and if they want to see a snapshot of some of the opinion pieces and some country highlights that we've already released, they can go on to uh, blog.euromonitor.com to see just what the, the system offers. Well, thank you again for joining us today, Alan, and talking about Euromonitor's new ethical labels database and sort of some of the trends that you're seeing. Thanks everyone else for listening. Please tune in again next week to find out more about other emerging trends, pressing issues, and marketing strategies. Until then, I'm Elizabeth Crawford signing off for Food Navigator USA's Soups and Nuts podcast.